Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, we're kicking off our fall series, Living in Light of Redemption. So you'll know a little bit more about what this season's gonna look like. Over the next 10 episodes, we are discussing how redemption applies to a variety of topics like comparison, anxiety and depression, body image, perfectionism, sexuality, anger, control, and more. We'll do our best to uncover how redemption impacts each one of these topics and how we can walk in the freedom that we've received in Christ as we anxiously await his return. Today, Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth and I hone in on how the little pieces of our story nestle themselves in the context of the greater story of redemption. Listen to what she said. God works not only around and in spite of the bumps and the hard places, pain, but God actually uses the pain and the problems and the failures, mine or others. God actually works through those things to accomplish His purposes in me. So they are sanctifying. They are purposeful. We hope this conversation encourages you to navigate today's struggles in light of what God has done for you through the person of His Son, Jesus. So you'll know today's guest a little bit better. Nancy Wolgamuth has touched the lives of millions of women through Revive Our Hearts and the True Woman Movement, calling them to heart revival and biblical womanhood. Her love for Christ and His Word is infectious, y'all, and it permeates her outreach, which you're gonna experience today. Nancy, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I cannot tell you what a joy it is to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you, Hunter. I've heard about you for some time, and I feel like we're kind of twin separated at birth or something. Oh, my word. uh, We're a little bit different generation. Our hearts beat so alike, and I'm just thrilled to get to know you and um, to have this conversation with you. It is so cool. I was looking just kind of at the list of the books that you've written, which there's been like a whole multitude. But my first introduction to you was when I really first started walking with Jesus after a period of rebellion in high school. It was 2006 when your book, The Lies Women Believe, was just hot off the shelf. And me and a couple of girlfriends in college grabbed that. And we went through that in the basement of our sorority house. And it just ministered to us so greatly. And you have really just gone all this time. Did you say 18 years of ministry, writing books and doing more of a public ministry? Is that correct? Uh, well, with Revive Our Hearts, Revive yes, our hearts. I have been um, actually about 40 years doing women's ministry, but um, wow. you know, a lot of that time, the first 20 plus years were much more be, um, 
kind of obscurity and not large audiences and just trying to be faithful and let the Lord grow me and my heart. And then in his way, and I never, I didn't aspire for it to explode or be huge. I just wanted to be faithful, which is your heart too. And then in God's providence, there was a time when, um, he opened opportunities that I had not been looking for to write and to do daily broadcasting, podcasting now. And, um, I've just, you know, I I didn't try to make a name for myself or to build a large ministry, but just to love the Lord and serve him and serve women. And so I stand back and I'm just amazed sometimes at what God has done, what he's doing. And of course, the work starts in my own heart because yeah. every book I've written, 20 some, every podcast I record, um, maybe every is a big word, but pretty much it, my husband is always praying, Lord, help Nancy to go first. And they really do flow out of my own journey with the Lord and things he's doing in my life that are so fresh and so needed. So it's, it's not like I don't come as any authority or no matter how old I get, uh, no matter how seasoned, uh, I need his grace and his word and his truth in my heart fresh every day. So I get to do ministry, but really I get more out of it probably than I could ever share with anybody else. And I know, you know what that that's like as well. It is such a journey and Man, I just, I can't think of anybody better to have on the Journey Women podcast. I told my mother-in-law that I got to have you on the show and she knows your work and is very familiar with it as well. And she was like, you're bridging generations. I'm like, oh, well, I love that because I'm in the process. I'm in my sixties now. And, and how did that happen? I, I tell you, Hunter, it will happen faster than you can imagine. But I, I believe in it. this like process of saying, what can I do to encourage younger women to pass the baton, to just make sure that whenever the Lord takes me, I don't know how, you know, I've asked him to let me serve him until I'm 85, but he knows <laughs> what it will be. Um, and I just am so thrilled that God is raising up younger women who love the word, love the gospel, are gifted communicators and have God's priorities for their lives. And so I just want to affirm you and women like you who are that God's raising up to do this kind of ministry. Well, we were just chatting in the closet and I confess to you, as I do often on this podcast, I don't know how it happens, but somehow I'm always crying when I'm recording a show or before I'm recording a show and was just talking to you about the preciousness of the gospel and of how the Lord has redeemed me and um, how that struck me afresh today in my desperate need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And to have that tender heart, you don't want to ever lose that. You know, you don't want to ever get so good at what you do or so professional at it that you miss the sense of, Lord, I need you. And you are so sweet and so real and so Uh, precious to me. So praise the Lord for those tears. Yes. And you're so kind to meet me where I'm at. And I just hope that this entire episode and this series really on the topic of redemption would just meet women right where they are and that it would just um, strike them afresh, just as it's struck me today. And just as it captivates you um, so often as well, that we have been redeemed by Christ. And so I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about that because redemption, I feel like when I start thinking about, can I use this as an episode or a series title? It seemed like a really theological word. It seemed like a word that just kind of has like this allure and it's kind of up in the clouds. But is there some way that you could describe what redemption is that might help us kind of get a better grasp of what it actually means to be redeemed? Well, sure. And I feel like I'm just on the the fringes of my own understanding, but it's got to be one of the most precious words in our Christian vocabulary. And I think, uh, Hunter, that we often think of redemption as, if we use it at all, we think of it as something that happened to us 
you know, X number of years ago when we got saved, that God saved us. And that's really true. But I think a lot of times we don't realize that redemption is a, um, is a part of our lives from eternity past to eternity future, that it's a never ending process, um, until we see Jesus and that it's something we need afresh every day of our lives that he not only redeemed us, but he is redeeming us. And um, the whole concept, Hunter, implies that there's something we need to be redeemed from. Yes. <laughs> and it starts with being needy, with being desperate, with being in trouble. The, the word has to do with, with an action that God takes on our behalf to, to rescue us, to save us from sin, from evil, from error, from ourselves. Um, it's it's buying us back, paying whatever is needed. God pays what's needed to get us rescued from whatever has taken us captive that he wants to set us free from. And so at the point of our salvation, you know, eternity past, he designed this plan. He put it into play, into action um, that after he created humans to love him, to walk with him, to know him, this beautiful universe and created in his image, enjoy him forever. And then Adam and Eve, what did they do? They rebelled Mm -hmm. against God's rule. And so God set in motion a plan that, get this, he had designed in eternity past, knowing they would sin, knowing we would sin, a plan to redeem them from their lostness to redeem them from their captivity to that serpent, to the evil one. And so planning to send Jesus to save us from our sin, from ourselves. And all through the Old Testament, you have this this theme, this stream, this um, tide of redemption moving toward it. And of course, in the animal sacrifices, this was a picture that prefigured how Christ would come and give himself as a sacrifice to redeem mankind from their lostness. But then Jesus comes to earth. He dies in our place for our sin to rescue us from our sinfulness, from our brokenness, from our lostness, from our poverty, from everything that has gone wrong but with the goal of making everything right in the end. And so that's the journey we're on, mm-hmm. and that's the journey he's on with us. And we have his promise that the journey will, the process will be completed. He's not going to stop halfway there. It's going to be finished. And that's, of course, the great Christian hope that we have. Oh, I had a crisis, a crisis today. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm walking myself through that. And I'm like thinking of like the forefathers of our faith. And I'm thinking about Moses and the Israelites. And I'm thinking about David and, you know, all the things that we know about the key figures in our faith that have, you know, walked through just the realities of sin and a broken world. And I think that's why I wanted to do this series is because we know, like you said, what we have to look forward to. And we know what we've been redeemed from in the past, but it's like we're living in that already, but not yet. And we're still struggling with the realities of sin and of brokenness, the impact of the fall on our lives. So as Christ followers, where do we fit into this story, this grand story of redemption that you just so beautifully described? And how does the gospel actually redeem our stories, not just at that point of salvation, like you mentioned, but as we continue in our life until the day that we get to be with Jesus face to face? 
You know, I, I love that we are part of a story that it's a continuum. Like we tend to think about our lives as today's crisis, you know, yep. um, and today's crisis is very real, yours or mine. And it's not only our own brokenness and lostness, but it's the brokenness and lostness of others that impacts yes. our lives. Even when we're just going, you know, minding our own business, trying to walk totally. with God and then jolt, you know, here comes this, <laughs> uh, somebody else's sin. And it's both, it goes both ways. Yeah. But our lives, if we could just step back and see this continuum as God sees it, um, that it's not just about me in this moment or this day. It's not even just about my lifetime, but my life fits into a huge, broad tapestry of history and past, present, and future that is this whole story God's writing. And that's why I love studying these old the old mm-hmm. and New Testament biblical characters that illustrate for us the process of redemption And interestingly, my husband and I have just written a book called You Can Trust God to Write Your Story. It's our first to write together. And we weave into this book, and I love thinking this way, not only current stories, our own, other people that we know who've gone through really hard, painful things. Every day we run into people like this. Mm -hmm. We have those, but we also weave in these stories of people from the scripture who suffered. And I'm thinking, for example, about Ruth in the Old Testament. If you want to study the subject of redemption from a biblical standpoint, at least in the Old Testament, read anything you can about the book of Ruth. Mm. Amazing redemption story. In the Old Testament, God made provision that when a Jewish follower of God would have a crisis. It might be a financial crisis, um, the loss of a mate, which would leave a woman destitute with no future, no hope. God made provision that a near relative mm-hmm. Um, and rescue that person that have to pay a price to do it, but they could rescue that person from their poverty, from their lostness. So here is Ruth and Naomi, a mother and daughter-in-law, um, and they're in a far country. Right. Um, Naomi is, you know, they come back to Bethlehem where Ruth is going to be a foreigner. She's a widow. She's got so many strikes against her and she's poverty stricken. Their, their plot, their, their plight in life is hopeless. They have no way of surviving, much less thriving. But God has made provision in his providence. He has provided a redeemer, a near kinsman. His name is Boaz. Mm -hmm. And he's a wealthy, distant relative who has the right to redeem them from their poverty. They don't even know it, but God knows it. And he is leading their steps. And he comes into Ruth's life and Naomi's life. And this, this kinsman has to be able to redeem. He has to be related. He has to have the wealth needed. Mm with all to redeem them. And he has to be willing to redeem them. And there is actually a a closer kinsman who has the wealth and the right to redeem, but he doesn't want to. Too much trouble. (laughs) Too much trouble. I don't want to inherit Ruth and her debts and her (laughs) mother-in-law. So here's Boaz. He's he has the right to redeem. He has the wealth to redeem. He's able to redeem and he wants to redeem. He considers it a privilege to redeem his destitute, um, relatives. And so God brings him into these women's lives and he rescues their lives from destruction. He marries Boaz. He um, becomes the man who will give children a seed. So her husband's family line will continue. He takes all her debts, her mother-in-law, all of this, he takes it as his own and says, I'm going to like underwrite your losses. Her whole life becomes one of abundance and provision and safety and good. It's like a total turnaround. Well, you look at Ruth's story. I just gave her like a really quick um, overview there. But you realize that the same God that redeemed her from her losses 
uh, this Boaz and Ruth relationship became, it's through their line that Christ came to earth. We read mm. about this in Matthew chapter one. He's descended from their line. God, she never could have had a child if God had not sent a redeemer into her life. And out of that union came Christ. Well, here are we thousands of years later. What do we have to do with Ruth? What do we have to do with all these other old time characters, you know? Mm-hmm. It has everything to do because God is writing this one great, big, long story. Ruth's life fits into it. Mary and Joseph's life fits into it. Esther's life fits into it. Paul's life fits into it in the New Testament. A persecutor of the people of God, one who could have spent his whole life in shame and guilt. But God redeemed these people so that they might not only personally be redeemed, but so that they might make the Redeemer known to others, and they made it known to others, and they made it known to others. And Mm -hmm. here we today, with our crises, our situations that feel hopeless and desperate and needy, and God is redeeming our lives, not just from ultimate, you know, hell, but also from our separation from God and our brokenness. He's a redeeming God who is making all things new, not just so we can enjoy that, which is huge enough, a reward and a joy, but also so we can become instruments of redemption in the great storyline that he is writing from one generation to the next. So I sometimes wonder if the Lord tarries for 500 years, 1,000 years, or 10 years, whatever, whose story Will he be writing that I have no way of knowing today that my little crisis today mm. might in some way that I cannot imagine mm. might seed that bears fruit and points somebody else generations down the road or tomorrow or next year or a hundred years from now points them to Christ the Redeemer. So it gives a context for, t- for the story we're living today. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. As God is redeeming us, it's not just about us and our story. It's about a great, big, huge story of redemption that God is writing through all of the ages, and we get to be a part of that. What a grace it is. And yet, so often, Nancy, like, I just want the story—I just confess this to you before we started recording. Like, I just want the story to be complete. Like, I'm totally that person that I'm like, I I want it to be 
perfect. I want to be that the new creation needs to be looking new and not real drabby like I'm looking and feeling right now, you know? Somebody, I saw on uh, Instagram yesterday a a quote by Elizabeth Elliott that somebody else had posted, obviously. And the, the quote was this, would you like to have the story of Daniel without the lion's den? Of course, we wouldn't because we know the end of the story. Yeah. And then Elizabeth yes. Elliot said, well, Christians, we've got this whole book full of wonderful stories like that. And yes. the end, every single one of them is the same. It's glory every time. And the thing is, there's so like many lions in, in our story yeah. that we wish weren't there. Like, yes. Lord, could you just give me the glory without yes. the glory, right? Yes, exactly. There is no crown without a cross. Oh. There is no um, glory without the pain. There is no gain without the pain. And so we say, Lord, we'd like, you know, a story that has just cloudless days, sunshine, plenty of money in the bank, just, but you know, if nobody likes to read stories like that, nobody yes. likes to watch yeah. movies like that. We say boring. My husband and I watched a movie over the week uh, last weekend. That was, I mean, it was, like you're sitting on the edge of your seat. How is this going to get resolved? And that's what makes it a fabulous story yes. is that it has conflict and resolution. And in our case, not only does it make the story more interesting that there are crises and problems and pain and hiccups and bumps, but it also, this is the mystery of providence that I just have come to love. And that is that God works not only around and in spite of the bumps and the hard places, Mm. pain, but God actually uses the pain and the problems and the failures, mine or others. God actually works through those things to accomplish his purposes in me. So they are sanctifying. They are purposeful. And we'd like to just be holy and happy and happily ever after in heaven without all of this. And you know, God could have done that. He could have like, get them say, baptized and shoot them, put them out of their misery. Just take them. <laughs> you know, Why doesn't he? Some days we wonder, but he knows that it's in this process of tripping and falling mm. and up and weeping in the mm. closet. Um, it's through <laughs> all of this that the beauty comes, the ashes are turned to beauty. And I'll tell you what else, um, Hunter, it, it not only sanctifies us, but it makes us a safe place and a compassionate place for other hurting people right. to come and find grace. Yeah, I got a call last night from a um, woman who is in the middle of some family crises. It's just like there's no way to, it's just a mess. Mm-hmm. And she and her husband are really seeking the Lord it has to do with young adult kids. And, um, and it's so painful. So she just, she texted me afterwards. She said, I am so heartbroken. Well, I've not been exactly where she is. I don't have biological children, but I have been in some hard hurting places that I would love to have skipped over. Right. But out of all of that has come an ability to you know, when I was nine years old, I could have told her theologically what she needed to know. Yeah. Um, but she needed to hear all of that. She knows that stuff. What she needed was somebody who could weep with her, who cares, who is tenderhearted. I wouldn't be, I'm not like, I don't ever, I've never been like accused of being too merciful. I, I'm, I'm, that's not really a forte for me. Right. Same. It's becoming more tenderhearted, more compassionate, more able to listen 
to enter into the pain of those who hurt without having to just throw out all my six points of answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm able to become more of an instrument of hope and grace and redemption in the lives of other suffering people as a result of some of the really hard places that God has, you know, asked me to walk through. So right. back on it, somebody said, God's will is exactly what we would choose if we knew what God knows. Mm-hmm. And, we back and we say, oh, Lord, why did I doubt you? Why did I question that you were redeeming me and this situation and my life and others' lives? We'll know in full someday, mm-hmm. but he knows all now. And in the meantime, it's sometimes just raw, naked faith that God knows what he's doing and that he is writing us a redeeming story and that in the end, it will be happily ever after for all of us who are the followers of Christ and that God's glory will have been, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Can you imagine that today where the world is so fractured and broken and evil and corrupt and starting with one heart? Can you imagine God just, Everything just being the glory of God everywhere. Well, no. only a redeeming God could do that. Yes. And he is doing it. And we get to be part of that story. Yes, which is so, so precious. And I think so much of it is learning to apply the reality of what God has done, that it is finished to like our everyday struggles. And yeah. so how does the reality that we're redeemed offer us hope? in these struggles, like you're describing this woman with adult children and the grief that she's feeling there, or honestly, my struggles right now with my pride. And then also my lack of sleep because I have Little children. a four week old, <laughs> a four month old, and then I've got, you know, a two year old and a four year old. And, you know, you're I, so I, tired. You don't even know how old exactly, that kid is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Four weeks or four months. It's all the same. <laughs> you know, um, Hunter, I've often said, I've said it maybe a thousand times over the years to the women I minister to, anything that makes me need God is a blessing. Hmm. And it's part of the redemptive story. And so it all of this, looking at God's redemptive story in the scripture and in the ages, eternity past, present, eternity future, right. it gives me perspective when I am buried in the quicksand of my own immediate story. And it can't, and you just, we touched on a lot of things, you know, I have some friends who I was with the other day and they were, they've got five young kids and Mm, they were just talking about, and they're godly parents and they're, they love the Lord, but they were just talking about how exhausting things are right now. And they kind of talked, they weren't complaining. They were just asking for prayer. And one of the older people in the room who's got five grown kids Mm, said, it never stops. said you're in the easiest season of your oh. life. <laughs> like that's supposed to be an encouragement. Um, but it's, you oh. know, your your kids are going to grow up and then they're going to be young adult issues and then they're adult, you know, right. it's never ending because God doesn't ever want us to be in the place where we think we can do this without him. But here's the thing, when you look at the redemptive story that God is writing, that creation, fall, redemption, consummation, uh, the end of all things, it gives us perspective for what we're experiencing right now. It gives us context. It says that my struggles, my problems, my failures, my sin, my temptations, my difficulties, the sins of others that I'm having to live with the the wake in the wake of that, that none of it is purposeless. None of it is random. None of it is chance. It's all purposeful. It's ordained for me, for my life, by a God who is good, 
who is wise, who is loving, and who knows what he's doing. And a God who's on his throne. My husband and I look at each other, I don't know how often, and we say, heaven rules. Mm. Heaven rules. And if that's actually a phrase in the, in the book of Daniel, and Nebuchadnezzar had to learn it the hard way through his pride. He tried it, you know, he thought he ruled. Right. And he thought he could handle all this. Ooh. He thought he, he was great. But God said, you think you rule? Let me just show you. I'll make you like a, a crazy man. Um, <laughs> and he lost his mind. Yes, this is speaking to me right now, Nancy. <laughs> you know, we do. We think, I'm, I'm losing it. Yes. And if it's not when you have little children, then it's when you go through menopause. Or if you got college-age <laughs> kids. Or you got, now I'm in my 60s and I'm thinking, things hurt that I didn't even know existed, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I'm a young, older woman. Um, but, and sometimes you think, or the burdens of ministry, or the pressure of deadlines and demands, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm going to lose it. Well, every time I feel that, it becomes a prompt to race to the cross, to race to Christ, to anchor my heart in truth. And I find myself, Hunter, this is, you talked about the book I wrote called Lies Women Believe. Mm -hmm. That was the one biggest takeaway I wanted women to get from that book, that we must learn to counsel our hearts according to what is true. And so no matter what our emotions are telling us, um, I remember as a younger woman, when I would get exhausted and I was just like my, I I couldn't control my tongue. I couldn't control my emotions. I remember a friend telling me, this was an older, wiser friend saying, Nancy, don't let tiredness become an excuse for carnality. And I'm like, ouch, that's not really what I wanted to hear. Um, But what he was saying was, there is grace for this moment. Yes. That my problems, my pressures become opportunities to cast myself helplessly, hopelessly on Christ and to counsel my heart, not according to what my emotions are telling me, mm-hmm. but according to what truth says in God's word. And to reflect my focus from myself to Christ mm-hmm. and to others. And if I didn't have problems, I would be you know, hopelessly self-centered, right. uh, naturally self-centered anyway, but it's the pressures and the problems that force me to Christ. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. What makes you run into a strong tower when it's when you're in danger? It's when you think mm. you are losing. And, um, <laughs> it's when people are stepping on your last living nerve, as my aunt of mine used to say, <laughs> um, and, oh. and, it's, and it's toddlers, you know? Yes, you're describing my life right now. <laughs> That's why we need a Redeemer yeah. who not saved us from the penalty of sin, past tense, but is presently saving us from the power of sin. That's what we call sanctification. Mm-hmm. And who promises that in the future, we will be saved from the very presence of all sin and brokenness. So if I can look ahead to that, keep my eyes on the finish line, know that this is the best is yet to come. Mm. And say, okay, mm. what does that mean practically? Well, it means in my, like run into the, <laughs> they get these moms with little kids and like the bathroom is the one place you think you can go and right? be, get a, a sanity. But then these little fingers come <laughs> under the door and they go, mommy, and you want to say, that's not my name anymore. You know, go call somebody else because yes. you feel like you can't get a minute yeah. to yourself. God knows that. You think he has grace for toddler years? I think of women who say, you know, like, I'm only going to have two children because I can only manage two children. Right. Listen, if you only 
let into your life what you think you can manage, you will never experience the fullness of God's redeeming grace. Mm. So I'm oh, saying I needed that today. Choose things that like, okay, I'm going to go like make my life miserable. God knows what you need right. to get you past what you think you can manage. I loved, I'll tell you this. I, I, I was single till I was 57. Mm-hmm. I love your story. I loved being single. I, 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 not because I loved ministry. I felt right. a call to singleness and God just gave me amazing grace. Singleness was not my burden. I had other burdens, other challenges, other things that made me need God, but singleness wasn't one of them. Well, then God brings this man into my life. Um, at, I'm 57. He's been married for almost 45 years and then widowed. I knew him and his wife. It's a long story. It's a sweet story. But I, Hunter, I needed grace to even consider such a huge life change at that season right, of my life. Right. I totally get it. Like you're in your patterns. You have like your special ways of doing all the dishes and and the coffee and all that. I didn't even drink coffee. And here's like, I'm wearing a coffee drinker. And that's like the littlest of things. And he's a precious man. But I'll tell you what, marriage in a really sweet way has been a new season of life to make me realize. And, and with marriage, I inherited two uh, stepdaughters mm-hmm. who are not that much younger than I am, five at the time, teenage grandkids. And so my life changed. It's like God sent wow. earth moving equipment to my life. That's amazing. That's a lot of change. It's a lot of change, but here's the sweet thing. No matter what season of life we're in, mm-hmm. God creates things in our story that make us conscious that we need him. We need to be redeemed. I, there were ways I was selfish. I had no idea. There were ways I was bent on, that I was proud, that I didn't know because I'd lived by myself for all those years. And um, I mean, I'd had, I had a lot of families around me. I did a lot of things to try and not be selfish. But in a sweet new way, God has brought a new means of grace and redemption and sanctification into my life. And so if we can welcome these circumstances, whether they're the ones we choose or the ones that come unchosen into our lives, health issues, Robert and I are looking at each other now in our 60s, I'm in my 60s, he's in his 70s. And we're saying, we've got a lot of peers who are having major health issues. Right. What's that going to look like? We don't know. But here's the thing. We don't, we don't have to stress about it. We don't have to obsess about it because we know that God is redeeming and making all things new. And that includes, according to Romans 8, these physical bodies. What does dinner time look like in your house? Is it a little chaotic and crazy like it is at mine? Let me tell you about Prep Dish and how they can help you simplify your evenings. You've probably heard us talk about Prep Dish in the past, and maybe you've thought, man, I just don't have time to meal prep. But let me tell you, with Prep Dish, meal prepping for the whole week honestly takes just about one hour with their super fast plan and about two hours for the gluten-free, paleo, and low-carb meal plans. If you need a change in how you handle dinner time at your house, you have got to try Prep Dish. You'll serve up delicious meals that your family will love, like green chili burgers, Caesar salmon wraps, and apricot glazed chicken thighs. Right now, the founder, Allison, is offering our listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. You can't beat that. Check out PrepDish.com forward slash journey for this great deal. Again, that's PrepDish.com forward slash journey for your first two weeks free. I 
I've got this, like, I just was at the chiropractor a um, few hours ago. Cause oh, I've my got dad this. will be so proud. He's a chiropractor. Okay. Well, <laughs> I walked in there. He, but he always asked, said, how are you doing? And I'm going, if I'm here, it's because I'm in pain. <laughs> you know? I need you. You know, this body is, it's breaking down. Right. But the scripture promises Romans 8, Philippians 3, that we will have a new glorified body like unto his own. What a hope is this? Yes. So we realize that all this stuff here, it's temporary. Yeah. But it's meaningful. It's purposeful. It's intentional on God's part. And I can trust him in the midst of that to write the story when I am clueless as to what he's doing or why he's doing it. I don't have to know, but I know I can trust him and run to him um, and say, Lord, I need you. I need you to redeem yes. this situation. I need you to redeem this this person in my life. I need you to redeem me from this temptation that why do I keep going back to food as a savior or people as a savior or trouble for, why do I keep running to idols? Lord, I need you to save me from myself, from my sin, from my problems, but don't just rescue me from I'm not just asking to have a problem-free life. I'm asking you to use my problems to redeem me and make me like Jesus. You know, I had this question that I wanted to ask you, like, how does redemption impact our daily lives and what practices will help us remember our need for redemption? And and I'm thinking it's the struggles. Like, as you're talking about it, I'm like, it's it's the struggles. They're a grace. They help us remember our need for Jesus and they help us remember what he's done for us, right? Well, in the midst of it all, and I've, I've said this, but I'll just repeat it because I think it's so important. We have to keep reminding ourselves of what we know to be true. Yeah. About God, yes. about this story, about our future. Um, keep counseling our hearts according to truth and keep reminding ourselves this suffering, this hardship is not random. It is not chance. It is not meaningless. Um, it is hopeful. It is hope filled. The best is yet to come. This will not last forever. I think that's one of the things the enemy uses to get us really defeated, especially I watch you moms in this kids life season of life. I don't think there's any more exhausting season in a woman's life. And, um, I feel that. (laughs) And it's true, but I think for you in the midst of that, it's easy to feel like I will never feel rested again. I know. I feel that way. (laughs) And the fact is, this is not forever. Yeah, this yeah. is a season, and God is using the season and the sacrifices of it to redeem you and to make you cast yes. yourself upon yes. the mercy and the strength of Christ. God says, "When you are weak, then I am strong." So, how would you know that He is strong if you never felt weak? Mm. If you, if, if you never felt exhausted, when would you need the Isaiah 40 promises about um, you will run and not be weary, walk and not faint, the, the God who infuses us with strength? How would we ever know that if we did not feel hopelessly weak? So our weakness becomes a means to tap into his grace. And what is God's grace? It's the supernatural power of God within me that gives me the desire and the power to obey God. Mm. How can I obey him when I'm so exhausted or when I'm so tempted or when I'm so beleaguered by this crazy person in my life? Um, this, you know, this critic, this hard relative or whatever, Mm -hmm. Uh, how can I, how can I be kind and grace filled and loving and humble and gentle and all the things I want to be, but I'm not naturally God 
brings these people, these circumstances to my life so that I will realize how much I need him, that I can't be holy. I can't be humble. I can't be, you know, satisfied with Christ in Christ alone. How would I ever come to find that Christ alone is really enough if I was never at a place where I didn't have anything or anyone to lean on other than Jesus. And I'm telling you, you know, the situations we've talked about are pretty common, but to some people who may be listening to this conversation, our situations, like a lot of little ones or getting older or married, those seem like pretty tame problems Totally compared to um, a friend I've been walking for the last couple of years through a horrific um, past that includes years of sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. molestation, assault, and things that I have not experienced but I've walked into this journey with this friend and others. And, and I, and I've, I, I believe with all my heart that God is a redeeming God who is making all things new. And that means he rescues us from not only our bondage and our captivity to shame, to guilt, to sin, whether it's our sin or the sin of others, but there's a journey, there's a process through which he redeems the losses that have been caused by our sins or the sins of others. I may have been the perpetrator or I may have been the offender. And the fact is we're both, we're all both perpetrators and offenders in various ways. Mm-hmm. And the worst possible scenarios, the woman who's had multiple abortions, the woman who's um, had multiple um, sexual assaults against her. And I, I don't like, I feel like by even mentioning these things in a way, it could feel like we're brushing past them and, and minimizing them. Mm-hmm. I'm saying we have a God who has felt every pain, every wound, but he has taken upon himself in Christ, on the cross, all the woundedness, all the brokenness, all the lostness, and comes to bring health and healing and grace and hope for every sufferer. And yes, it's a journey. No, it doesn't happen overnight. That's why he has us still here. But yes, it will happen. So we look ahead to the end of the journey And we could just get glimpses of this in scripture, but we cling to that and we say, Lord, by faith, I believe that the day will come when I will be whole. My emotions will be whole. My body will be whole. My relationships will be whole. I will be, there'll be no more sin, no more darkness, no more sorrow, no more sadness. And we cling to that. That's why some of the best old time hymns, Mm. the best newer hymns have this, they have multiple stanzas that walk us through our past salvation, our present sanctification that's taking place as we're in this hard journey, but our future hope of glorification when the journey is said and done. And like, we don't want to lose sight of what God has done, what he is doing, or what he has promised will be, um, you know, future hope. Like, keep looking at heaven. Keep looking at that, you know, mm-hmm. keep finding ourselves what we're experiencing this moment, it's temporary. It's Paul calls them in Second Corinthians 4, momentary light afflictions. Now you're saying this doesn't seem very momentary. This doesn't seem very light. And in the moment, it doesn't seem that way. But if we could step back and get the redemptive story context, we realize that in the context of the big story, these 
sufferings are momentary. They are light. And here's the thing. Paul says they're working for us and in us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Mm. Want the weight of glory? The eternal weight of glory? Yes, Lord, that's what I want. Then God says, then trust me while I write a story that includes some momentary light affliction. I know it doesn't seem momentary. I know it doesn't seem light, but it is. And in the end, you will look back and you will say, oh, God, thank you. Mm -hmm. Because what you've given me is beyond anything I could have imagined when I was walking through those hard places. What's the importance of sharing what God's doing in our lives as we live in light of redemption? Yeah, it's huge. We, we become um, not only experiencing our own redemption story as we connect ours to the redemption story of Scripture and of the ages, but then we can become amazingly, even while we're still in our own journey, messy as it is, we become instruments of redemption in others' lives. And I think as we share our brokenness, our frailties, our woundedness, our struggles, it lets people know, and I think this is especially true for those of us who are involved in different kinds of ministry, discipling others, um, teaching, small groups, um, various kinds of ministry. You know, people can start to put us on a pedestal and think, mm -hmm. wow, she doesn't struggle in significant ways. Um, she's got this down. And I think if you could come live with me, like, you know, you could get in my mind, in my heart, in my head, and you could see the days I just feel like so weary in the battle. I feel like throwing in the towel and I just have to like, Mm. grab myself and say, listen, soul, in Psalm 42 and 43, you talk to your soul and you tell your soul the truth and you say, hope in God for my, I will yet praise him, my, my hope and my salvation. You know, it, it, tell people something about our journey. It lets them know that what we're saying is believable. Um, I got a, a text this morning from someone who's in the middle of a crisis. And I was, as it happened, Robert and I were sitting next to each other and um, studying. We were doing our own study, but we were next to each other. And I, and I stopped and read in this text and we stopped and, and joined hands and just prayed aloud um, for that person and, and encouraged. We can become, I think, means of encouragement and hope and help. And I was able to send a text back just to encourage that friend to to cling to God, to trust Him. It, I wasn't given a lecture. It was all short, but just to trust Him with a story that is being in their life because I know what it is to feel desperate and to find God racing to my rescue. You know, God's grace is like an ambulance. Um, you don't call 911 if you don't need help. But when you call 911, the ambulance comes racing to the scene of need. And when we cry out for ourselves or on behalf of others, it's like God's in heaven with this grace ambulance saying, oh, I hear that prayer. Somebody's down there in need. Mm. And he comes racing to our need or to the, that this person lives hundreds of miles away from where Robert and I were sitting on our deck praying this morning. And, and in that scene, I believe God came racing to the need of that person as we cried out. So uh, we share our story. We share our prayers. We intercede on behalf of others. And I'm going to be in a crisis, you know, a minute or two or a day or two from now. And, Somebody else is going to be praying and encouraging me, cling to God, hope in God, for he is redeeming your situation. He is your redeemer. He is your Boaz. He is the one who has come to save you from all of this brokenness, and he's doing it. So it, it, we give each other hope. We give each other encouragement. We let each other know we're in this journey together. No one 
should have to have their own story being written and feel that they are alone in that story. Nobody around them may be experiencing the exact same thing in the moment. And I think it's not helpful to say to people, oh, I know just how you feel, because we really don't know just how they feel. But what we do know is what it is to feel desperate, Mm. to feel broken, to feel neat, and to say, Christ is a redeemer. I mean, we, we help each other to to be grateful in the hard places. We help each other to, to sing in the places where we think we'll never sing again. You know, um, we need each other. I need you. I needed your story before we even started recording today. You're telling me about crying in the closet and you're in a very <laughs> different life season than I am. But when you share with me out of your journey, it gives me hope in my journey. And I think we've done that for each other in this conversation and we do it. And, and you know what? It's not just the people who are close to us. Um, Robert and I find us ourselves doing this with total strangers, just asking to make you alert to who needs redemption. Yes. yes. Um, and we call it our aisle ministry at church, A-I-S-L-E. It's before and after. Mm-hmm. It's in the in the aisle of the supermarket. It's with the, the FedEx delivery person. It's just with total strangers that we stop and we say, um, tell, tell us your name. Is there anything we could pray about for you? I've never had anybody turn me down for this. And then we're able to just encourage them. You know what? God has been writing a story in our lives. He is. We tell him a little bit about our story. And then we say, we want to pray for you because we believe that God is writing a story in your life. Mm. And we believe it's a good one. And, 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 you know, depending whether they know Jesus or they don't, the, the conversation gets steered. But we just become, it's like Christ has hands and feet here on this earth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love people, encourage people, give people hope as we not only come alongside and say, you know, we just, it's one thing to sympathize, to maybe to empathize and to say, I'm so sorry. I feel for you. That, that That's a sweet thing, but a lost person can do that. But what we can do that a lost person can't do is to walk with people to Jesus to the cross, to grace, is to pray over them, to speak words, life-giving words, words that breathe hope, words that point people to truth, but with compassion and with grace. Um, This is something that only God's people can do for each other. I absolutely love that evangelism tool of just like asking people about their story, sharing what God's done in your story, and then pointing them to the greater story. And I think your book that you are releasing in about a month, You Can Trust God to Write Your Story, is such a helpful tool for understanding where our lives just nestle into the context of God's providence, like you said, and the greater story that he's been writing throughout the context of like all of redemptive history. And so I want to recommend that as a resource if anybody's wanting to grow in their understanding of redemption or how you can share your story and what God's doing and redeeming in you even today with the people around you. So definitely check that out. But Nancy, I'd also love to ask you, what are some resources that you would recommend if somebody wants to grow in their understanding of redemption? Yeah, I would say one, anything that you can get your hands on that's a solid biblical resource about the book of Ruth. Um, commentaries, John Piper has written a book on Ruth. There, there are numerous ones and there are new ones coming out um, in recent years that it, um, just anything that will help you get inside that story. Um, I've recorded a lot about it on Revive Our Hearts, a lengthy series on the book of Ruth. You Ooh, could we'll call it the that. gospel according to Ruth. Mm. Um, so, And then I would say, this is kind of a, a bigger thing, but Anything about that gives you an overview of the Bible, 
Um, like I, I was sent recently, I haven't used it yet, but it looks like a great resource. The ESV translation has put out a Bible called the Story of Redemption Bible. Yes, I love and that Bible. I've used it. It's through, great. Um, like the redemptive story. And yes. then if you want something a little more digestible for a starting place, believe it or not, I would say the Jesus Storybook Bible, which is meant for children, mm-hmm. but it's the it's it in every story it's kind of a chronological through the bible i i took a a week-long seminary class a few years ago and the professor read stories from this book to the people in this class because it's they're it's looking to find the redeemer and the redemption story in every story of the bible so something you could read with your children to your children or just as an adult even Totally. I actually read that in college with my roommate. So, (laughs) okay, we will be sure to link to all those things in the show notes. And one of the things that I love to ask every guest who comes on the Journey Women podcast, just so the guests can, or so the listeners can get to know you a little bit better is what are three of your simple joys, Nancy? (laughs) Well, one, I love being at home. I'm a homebody. I've spent much of my adult life traveling and um, there's no glamour for that for me anymore. There's not anywhere I want to go that, so we have a vacation coming up and we're just looking at each other and saying, we want to stay home. Staycation? <laughs> we want to staycation, but being at home, but we have the joy of living on a river and oh. um, we're close to Lake Michigan, which has beautiful, wow. both of them have sunsets. Um, Robert and I are both kind of introverts and not kind of, we are. And so I love teaching the word. I, I love ministry, but I, I also have to get recharged and I yes. recharge quietly and alone or quiet conversations with Robert sitting on the deck that he built when we first got married and um, just looking at the river. It, it sounds like old folk stuff, but it's really a sweet season um, mm. to be quiet, talking quietly, listening to each other, reading. I love reading um, sunsets, just things that recharge my heart, my, my body, my emotions, and just get me still and quiet so I can be, you know, so much of my ministry life is fast paced Mm -hmm. one thing after another, one deadline after another. Um, and you get this with ministry and chasing kids. And so anything that lets me just be quiet is that's a simple joy for me. Oh, maybe we are kindreds. I've been thinking it as you've been talking, but that is for sure me. It's so funny because I came into Dallas. I'm down in Dallas, Texas. I came into town today because Brooks and I are in transition before we move up north. I may need to get some like cold weather tips from you because I am totally unfamiliar with the scene up there, but we're moving up to New Hampshire in August. And so we've been living on his grandparents' farm that has no Wi-Fi access. Like we have one bar of cell phone service. So it's been a bit... (laughs) of forced rest, but it's actually been the simple joy of my entire summer. Yeah. Having the opportunity to unplug and recharge, though it does make podcast recording a little inconvenient. (laughs) Uh, Well, when you get up north, just look for layers. Uh, It's easier to get warm when you're cold than to get cool when you're hot. So um, you'll adjust to it. But Ooh, I, I pray I will. I'm a little anxious, but <laughs> you'll do great. trust the Lord. Oh man. Well, Nancy, you have had such a great impact on so many of the listeners. And it's amazing. Even women that I've discipled, like in real life, they have just gushed about your uh, ministry and how that's had such a great impact on their personal journey with Jesus. And I just love to hear from you. Who is it that's had the greatest impact on your own journey with Jesus? Oh, wow. Well, I'm old enough now that it's hard to say one person. Um, And you know what? God has used different people 
at different seasons. Um, definitely my dad who went home to be with the Lord on the weekend of my 21st birthday, he had a heart oh attack my goodness. and was gone. Um, and we had just been together. I was already oh I'd been living away from home for a number of years, but, um, so huge, huge foundational impact in my life. Both my parents, uh, my mom is still living, but my dad, just those early years grounding, he was a first generation believer. He didn't come to know Jesus till he was in his mid twenties out of a really wild, um, rebellious life. But when he came to know Jesus, he just like went all in. And so he, our family, which he didn't start till several years later, uh, I'm the oldest of seven children and, and my parents just, and I say this for the encouragement of young moms, young parents, they developed in our home an atmosphere that was just saturated in the word and the ways of God and in the redemption story, the character of God. So I grew up trusting that God is good, that he's wise, that he doesn't make mistakes. And even on that September 1st, when I got the word that my dad had just had a heart attack and was gone, of course, there were tears, huge sense of loss, Mm -hmm. a sad, sad thing for, I, I still miss him 40 years later this year. But I will say the first conscious thought I had when I got that news, when I got that call from my mom was a verse I had read in Psalm 119 just days earlier, God is good. And everything he does is good. And to have a a dad and a mom together who just like help you put down, they can't do it for you. They can't, they can't get saved for you. They can't, you know, um, but they, they can create a climate that is conducive to trusting God to write your story. And I look at today, you know, now 40 years after losing him. Um, and I just think how thankful I am that when I was a young woman, that God put my parents and other people like them, other older people um, who'd walked through hard things. I watched my dad go through a loss of some major losses, huge things. And I watched him go through with trust, with not like unfeeling, but Mm -hmm. just clinging to Christ. And I'd had no idea what things I would go through later in life, uh, starting with losing him. But in the hard places of life, I've just had those illustrations of people who have demonstrated theology 101, that God is good, God is wise, God is living, and you can trust him to write your story. So I want to be that kind of person now who younger people, you know, maybe 40 years after I'm gone, they'll say somewhere along the line, Nancy DeMoss Wagamuth illustrated in the hard places of life that God is good, God is wise, God is loving, and that I can trust him to write my story. So this is a baton we're passing from one generation to the next. And I've had the joy of having people do that for me. And I hope that's what I'm doing for others today. You are a friend. I am so encouraged and I will treasure this conversation in the closet always. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really been just an absolute treasure. Thank you for your time. You're so welcome. Wasn't that great? More than anything, we pray this conversation just stirs your affection for Jesus. Don't forget there's discussion questions and all the resources that Nancy mentioned in the show notes, as well as how you can connect with her over at journeywomenpodcast.com. Be sure to tune into Nancy's podcast, Revive Our Hearts, if you want to hear more from her. And know that throughout this series, you guys can connect with us throughout the week at journeywomenpodcast on Instagram or Facebook. So you'll know this episode was edited by Chris Mann and the Pod Shaper team. Hey, it's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. 
Can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.